up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Kings and Priests podcast. I am Michael Whittle, and I'm here with my co-host, Dean Sweetman. Dean, what is up? Everything's up, and I'm pumped about everything. Everything is, it's, it's like, isn't it wild how just from week to week, things get uh, pessimistic and optimistic and pessimistic and optimistic, just all over yeah. the place, right? <laughs> yeah, we roll how we roll around here. But yeah, like, the cool thing about doing this every week is there's, especially talking about faith and business and, you know, mm-hmm. all the things that we, we talk about. Um, there's always something going on, man. The world is like you wake up every day and I'm like, what is happening next? And then the PGA Tour is basically acquired by Liv. Yep. That's my take on it, but we'll go deeper. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, gosh, okay. And I think we could just jump. I mean, gosh, let's just jump right into that because I saw this and like immediately text you and was like, whoa. At first I thought it was a joke. Yeah. I woke up and, you know, I wish I could say that I'm uh, much more spiritual, but the first thing I generally do is check Twitter. Uh, (laughs) I wish I could say that I woke up, took a cold plunge. Yeah, I read the Bible, did the cold plunge. But uh, (laughs) generally the first thing I do is check Twitter. And um, uh, I look and I kind of like see this. PGA has decided to to merge with Live and was like, this has oh. to be a joke, right? Like, there's just no yeah. way. Um, and kind of like digging deeper. And it was like, you know, it's so funny because part of why I love Twitter is it's it's literally like you're always sitting in a bar with your friends yep. talking about whatever's happening. That right? stuff, yeah. 100%. And so there's always something going on. Yeah. And it was like golf Twitter just exploded. exploded. Yeah. Um, and so I guess, so let's just do sort of a high level explanation. We've talked about this, right? So you have got the public investment fund uh, of the Saudis who has been backing this sort of upstart live golf. We've talked about it. They've been basically paying players to leave the PGA tour and come play uh, for them. There's been a legal battle back and forth. There's been a nasty fight back and forth between the management of both leagues and the players of both leagues. I think everyone thought this would eventually happen. But I don't think anybody thought that this that this was going to happen so quickly. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we find out that the you know public investment fund of the Saudis and the PGA Tour have been secretly negotiating for the last couple of weeks. Um, I love you know uh, uh, one of my favorite golf writers said this was downright succession esque. Just a couple of rich dudes in a room reshaping the world. Because uh, the oh. executives, the players, nobody knew this was happening. Nope. And come out and announce on CNBC that they have merged. And right. uh, there's been so much speculation. But why don't you just give me like your first thoughts and then we can dive into some of the details. I find this out. I'm a Twitter freak too. And uh, and I watched, I, ha- I always have like either Fox Business or CNBC on kind of my other monitor over here. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I, I see like there's this interview between, you know, Jay Monaghan and um, the, the, the head guy, the CEO of the, the PIF, which is, it's a sovereign wealth fund founded mm-hmm. by Saudi money mm-hmm. who like 20, maybe 10 years ago started to think we've got to diversify from energy and mm-hmm. we've got to do other things much like um, the UAE has done over the last 20, 25 years, yeah. right. With tourism mm-hmm. and they, they can all see like energy's gonna, it's all going to change in a hundred years. We're not going green, you know, like non-fossil fuel, like in the next five years, which the, the lunatic, like crazy <laughs> thing. Yep. 
Yeah, um, but we, we're going to go there eventually, and I'm an all the above guy, so I, I like get let's get energy from everywhere mm-hmm. and whatever. So anyway, they're like the writing's on the wall. Mm-hmm. We've got to invest in other things, so they start focusing on sport, and they got into like European soccer. Um, Formula One. I just saw a report today. I think they're going to buy the whole of the F1 for twenty billion. Oh my gosh, that's that's next. So, so golf for them. So that everyone knows the story, right? Greg Norman. They start live. They poach players. They're offering two, three hundred million, and so that's that. So the question is, why when the PGA, Jay Monahan, Rory was the main kind of, he called himself the sacrificial the lamb. The sacrificial lamb. I watched his interview, his interview. Yeah. Uh, He's like, man. I feel like the sacrificial lamb mm-hmm. going out here, beating my brains out, and then you guys just do a deal. I think the winner is golf, the winner are the fans. We're going to have, no one, everything is speculation on how this is going to look. The only thing mm-hmm. I think is true is the traditional PGA Tour is going to thrive. Mm-hmm. I think live is going to thrive. There's, there's, you know, people saying, oh, Liv's going to go away now. I don't think that's the case. I think uh, team golf, that concept is only mm-hmm. going to evolve more. Mm-hmm. Um, the pathway back, I can see Liv guys going, we don't want to go. Why would we go back to the PGA Tour? We're right. going to play 14 tournaments a year with DJs having fun and winning mm-hmm. $4 million, you know, every mm-hmm. time we win a tournament. It's like I don't think there's going to be a mass kind of back to the PGA Tour. There'll be a handful. But what I predict will happen is the John Rams of the world who were offered three hundred million and didn't go. I think they go. They'll do live. They'll do both. I think mm-hmm. there'll be high profile players on the PGA Tour that will go to live and do the team thing, and they'll be offered a team. Maybe they get given a team, like so the endorsements. Look, you can now cross sponsors. There, dude. I heard Nike is about to sponsor a live team. Jeez. So it, it's like, so here's the thing. The fans are going to win. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I love all the machinations of, of this. You know, that the Jay Monaghan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, is an absolute, I'd, I'd be shocked if he was not gone within six months. Mm-hmm. And, and Tiger becomes the commissioner of the PGA. Mm-hmm. Like that just wouldn't, wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah. I, I just, he's, you know, he he messed this thing up so bad. And the, and the PGA guys that didn't jump to live 50, 100, 200, 300 million dollars, not in their pocket. Right. And it's like, so I think they get made whole somehow. I think they get yeah. given, look, the whole thing's going to be a hoot, mm-hmm. but I think the fans are going to win. And which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Go and I want to get to, exactly. I want to get to a quote that uh, Monaghan is quoted in this article saying before that, what was interesting is how I watched the Rory press conference yesterday and First of all, he was like, I still hate Live Golf. We're not merging. His whole thing was like, his whole thing was like, the headline is Live Golf and PGA merge. And he's like, that's not what's happening. We're coming under the umbrella of a different company, which I get the nuances of that, but it's just semantics at this point. They're, oh, the, the, PGA the Saudis, guys the Saudis own, the Saudis own golf. The end. Everything. Everything. They own everything. And right. one thing he did say that I thought was interesting, and and this is maybe where, I think how golf does win is you do have a world in which, and and Rory kind of said this, you have the PGA, which is competitive golf, competitive traditionalist. And then you have live, which is golf made for TV. And maybe there is a world where the PGA can keep being what the PGA needs to be and live can be what live needs to be. And then you can have a diversity of, you know, audiences. Now some sports have tried this. The NFL's tried it. Uh, Over the years, there's been different, but I think this is the first one that goes, Oh wow, this is actually going to make, a lot and of global, sense. 
think global. Because mm-hmm. Live was rocking outside of the USA. It was mm-hmm. doing okay in America, mm-hmm. right? The attendance and this and that. Mm-hmm. But like the 75, 80,000 people in Adelaide in Australia was the glimpse of what Live could be. Mm-hmm. And like when they go outside of America, the tournaments are well. Like, so look, it's mm-hmm. just, it's going to be and or both everything. It's going to be awesome. And if you love golf, you're going to love it. Oh, no, from mm-hmm. a business perspective, like, you know, when I see this stuff, like, how do I apply that to how I, you know, mm-hmm. that's, me, what I was I, about to, that's what I was about to ask. Yeah. I'm like, what are the lessons here? Like one lesson is, is when someone you offers you ridiculous amounts of money <laughs> to, to buy something from you, you sell. Yes. You take <laughs> like the money. Think, oh, I think I'm valued at this. Mm-hmm. But someone comes along and offers you like 10 times as much. You just take the money mm-hmm. and you worry about it later. Because so that's the first lesson. <clears throat> the the other lesson is a lesson on complacency. Like how did the PGA get put in this position? Mm-hmm. They thought their monopoly could never be challenged. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so for us business owners, you know, for everyone listening in that runs a business or wants to be an entrepreneur, never get complacent because there are always going to be competitors. And like in the early days of your business, you're the scrappy, fast moving, take risks. But then when you get to the, you get to this place where you've got revenue, the business is cranking out profit and you kind of want to protect it. The, the model of it, like the whole moral of this story is you've got to be on alert all the time because right. there's something out there that's want to come, that's going to come and try and attack your business. Mm-hmm. And that's what this was. This was mm-hmm. a, a deep pocketed investor. A person with a vision, Greg Norman, has had the same vision for 30 years that he wanted to have some global kind of thing. And he basically, I can picture it, you know, Greg would have gone to the Saudi PIF fund, stood in the boardroom with a deck selling a concept. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. like, great, here's $2 billion to get going, right? Jeez. Yeah. On this stuff. Yeah. And then and Greg's like, well, i got to write some big checks. So they're like, go for it. Do whatever you got to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. And and if we spend this too, we've got another five. Like, don't worry mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. And so for, for me, I just think, man, you have got to be ready for anything if you're in business because mm-hmm. anything can happen. Yeah, Mana had said, ultimately, the move was to take the competitor off of the board, to have them exist as a partner, not an owner, and for us to be right. able to control the direction going forward, <laughs> um, put us in a position uh, to do this and serve our members. So part of the conversation around this has been, they, I think the PGA just realized they, they're never going to outspend. This. They, they couldn't, they're, they're, they couldn't the do it, the litigation. Right. Well, at, but the other thing they couldn't afford to, the lawsuits because the PIF would have just gone forever and mm-hmm. they didn't care, but mm-hmm. there was a lot of baggage inside that charity called the PGA tour. Right. And I think that the other thing is, Ram was reportedly about to jump for 300. I saw that. I saw that. So then <laughs> like, if you know that, that's the last straw. We've got to do a deal. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Wild. Okay. So one more thing on this. I thought this was interesting. A lot of talk has been now, I, obviously we, there is the Saudi angle to this and the sports washing. Right. I don't have frankly enough information to even go down that road. And then if we even tried to go down that road, that takes us into an entirely different kind of, of podcast. So if you're listening, obviously doing deals with the Saudis, there's a lot in that, but not for this podcast. But a right. lot has been talked about Monahan and some of the things he said in the past. 
some of the negotiating tactics he's used in the media. And so this sort of like about face. So I want to like actually ask you. Yeah, so exactly. So super pragmatically, I want to, I want to read a quote from him and I want, I want to hear your perspective on this because it's, I, I, it's interesting. So he says this, he says, I recognize that people are going to call me a hypocrite. Anytime I said anything, I said it with the information that I had at the moment. And I said it based on someone that's trying to compete for the PGA Tour and our players. I accept those criticisms. He said this, but circumstances do change. And I think that in looking at the big picture and looking at it this way, that's what got us to this point. So as the CEO of a company, you are always dealing and working with the facts that you have. So the question is, is we always hear people say strong opinions loosely held. Is there something to the pragmatic nature of the facts had changed and he, as the leader of the organization, had to look at it pragmatically and go, everyone's going to hate this decision, but as a business decision, I absolutely have to do it. Like, what do you think about, about that? And then I'm just going to, you talk and I'm just going to shut the door because someone just got here. He could have done this. So the first thing you don't do is you don't come out so extreme against something so publicly Right, because we all always talk about the pivot, right? Mm-hmm. So what he's done is a massive pivot, mm-hmm. but he painted himself into a corner publicly by so vehemently, and then siding with the nine eleven families like that's yeah. all using all that. Like I would use the word propaganda. Mm-hmm. Like we're not denying nine yeah. eleven. Like right. Like that's a whole another subject. Right. But like when you're in business, you cannot be that dogmatic and say. Because nothing is black and white in business. Mm-hmm. It's, it's gray everywhere. Mm-hmm. And there's compromise everywhere. Right. And so you pay, he painted himself into a corner, you know, saying basically live was the devil right. and, and we are the light. Mm-hmm. And so now he just looks like an absolute moron. So the lesson to me is like don't be so public in your position and don't take such an extreme position on something because business has a, a way of, of – forcing you to make changes and pivots and doing mm-hmm. things that 12 months ago you would never dreamed of doing. Right. <laughs> so like, just don't put yourself in that spot. So when you do make a pivot, you've almost like, Oh, well we, you know, we always said that we would look at other options and opportunities, but you know, so he just, he just was too extreme on the, on the anti live thing. Mm-hmm. And now, that's why I think, you know, they had the players meeting the other day and like half of the people want to, want to throw that guy out. I know. I know. And I, you know, I don't know how he stays, but anyway. But yeah. So as, as a business owner, don't take these massive public positions right. that are like extreme in one area or another. Mm-hmm. Just kind of be a bit wise on how you mm-hmm. speak about editors, you mm-hmm. know, like and all of that in the marketplace because yeah. you just never know where you've got to pivot. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, it's one thing to talk product. It's one thing to talk strategy. It's one thing to talk, Mm -hmm. but once you start talking about morality and character and these kind of things, then the minute you go back on that, you are, you are the definition of a, of a hypocrite. And then you've now done a deal with the devil as opposed to done a deal with the competitor who potential partner. Exactly. Yeah. And, and look, so there's, there's good lessons there. And look, just on the Saudi thing, you know, like we all know, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the cradle of Islam mm-hmm. and it's the, it's literally called Mecca, right? It's like where the pilgrims go to, to worship, you know, Muhammad, like, you know, 
I, I just, I always think that the light of Jesus is brighter than everything else in the universe. Mm-hmm. And so I have no fear of being around people that believe different things to me, that have different religions to me, that are atheists, that are Muslims, that are whatever. I live in Utah. Right. <laughs> I'm around <laughs> a lot of people that believe differently to me. Um, right. You know, like mm-hmm. big God, small devil. Right. Big God, like my truth and what I believe is bigger than any other ism. Mm-hmm. And so I will go into the thick of anything right. and, and trade and do business and make friends and like, you know, and, and keep my judgments aside and let my light shine. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm called to do. Yeah. And so we shouldn't be like, like, you know, oh, Saudi and, and of course Saudi's got its problems. Right. Right. But so is America. So is everywhere. Uh-huh. So is Australia. Are, yeah. So is, yeah. So is everything. Yeah. And so I'm just not an isolationist in mm-hmm. any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, so let's go to uh, our next um, topic here. Uh, Mark Andreessen, who we've talked a lot about on this podcast, prolific venture investor, prolific entrepreneur, um, really just, I mean, one of the probably top 10 living thinkers, uh, especially in, techno- in, in technology, um, uh, wrote a post this week, uh, why AI will save the world. Um, yep. And uh, I'll just do a quick overview of the beginning of it, and then we can sort of chat through. And then he makes some strong claims that I want to I want to walk through. He says this, the era of artificial intelligence is here, and boy, are people freaking out. And he says, I'm here to bring good news. AI will not destroy the world. In fact, it may save it. He does. Uh, we'll link to this in the show notes. If you are in any way, shape, or form in business or interested in business, take the 45 minutes and read this because it is, it's just... Yep. It's a super important, but he, he does a short description of what AI isn't. Um, he said it isn't killer software and robots that will spring to life and decide to murder the human race or otherwise ruin everything. And here's what he says AI could be. It could be a way to make everything we care about better. Um, he talks about human intelligence. He talks about how human intelligence is the lever that we've used to create the world we live in. And, and mm-hmm. he can so he goes sort of on and on and on. But I think right. he makes a really strong case for exactly what yeah. you said, uh, that it, it may be the most transformational thing that we have seen uh, right. in decades. Yep. So I'm firmly in the Mark and Dreesen camp. Mm-hmm. I mean, I believe the same thing. It's, it's cool that this is so counter to the letter of the hundred people like that are like, stop, we've got to slow <laughs> down. This is like pushing the panic button. This is the opposite of that. And, th- and I'm in this camp of embrace and, and roll. So it's a good having this voice, I, I think. And that, like I have real life experience in this now in that we are mm-hmm. implementing AI into different parts of our product. Um, we're creating brand new products that have AI in them. You know, we're going to release a, a product here for sermon writers that literally has, you know, AI built in for research to, you know, create sermons, give you outlines. It's not going to replace the Holy Spirit. It's not going to replace you writing a sermon and preaching it. It's just like, instead of going to Google, like 90% of pastors say like 10% use Logos, like a Bible mm-hmm. software that's pretty mm-hmm. expensive. They go to mm-hmm. the web. Mm-hmm. So what our market is the 90% that go to the web. Yep. And instead of going on to Google and researching, we just build it straight into the sermon writing experience. Mm-hmm. That's what yep. it is. Yep. So, um, you know, I may have mentioned this last week. We had someone leave CX and we upgraded our Zendesk account, which handles our support. Mm-hmm. And for $30,000, essentially 
30,000 a year were potentially five people. So <laughs> our, our support reps are, you know, 60, 65K a year. Yep. Call it, call it 30,000 mm-hmm. to replace 300,000. Jeez. So that's real, mm-hmm. right? We're not laying people off. We're just, as, as people, you know, we're not hiring overtly right now, but if people mm-hmm. leave, we're being really careful about backfilling them. Mm-hmm. One, because I think the economy is like, we could soft land here or we could have a bit of a rough year next year. But um, so I'm being cautious about the macroeconomic outlook and not wanting to hire too much. Mm-hmm. So we're not backfilling, but we're also going to invest in AI, AI that is going to probably potentially shrink some of our departments. Our engineers are using AI to speed bug fixes in code. They're literally right. taking code, putting it in an AI, getting like in seconds, you know, code back that's perfect that they wrote. Um, so it, we, we, we've got AI going in probably four parts of our company right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. And every smart CEO that I know is all green on AI. Implementing this, yep. And mm-hmm. like to the point where I want all my employees in AI, like I want the tab open, I want them in it at least, you know, three, five times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wrote a, um, I'm doing, I, you know, it's funny, I'm doing more and more of this. I'm getting asked to talk to the business people at churches. In fact, I'm-, I'm mm. Yeah, you're going to be with us. Yeah. And um, anyway, I had someone in, in England talk to me and said, oh, you talk to the business guys. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I, I, I can sit and talk about it all day long. Like, like, like it's essentially kings and priests content, right? Like yeah. Business and faith. But I just went on on uh, GPT four and said, "Write me a six point message about Christian business people. Give me biblical context. I need uh, uh, well known and understood business principles. I want three sub points under each main point, and I got a and I want scripture references. And because in under six seconds, I get this tremendous out. Um, now." I could have spent three hours and probably got to the same thing. Every single mm-hmm. point was kind of, dude, I'll, like, I'm going <laughs> to tell you what it is. I'm just yeah. going wrong. I have yeah, to do it. Okay. Here's the prompt. I need a presentation to business people who are Christians. It should have six main points with three sub points using both scripture references and widely known business principles. That was the prompt. Mm-hmm. Six yep. seconds later or less, I get title. Integrating faith and business, a biblical perspective. I get this great introduction. First point, integrity, building a foundation on truth and honesty. Like, mm-hmm. like that's something I would write. Second, mm-hmm. and then it's, I got all sub points. It's two months ago. Second point, stewardship, recognizing our role as faithful managers. Third point, servant leadership, leading with humility wow. and compassion. Fourth point, innovation, embracing creative. And I've got scripture references for every Free single point. one of these. So it's like, yeah. <clears throat> th- th- this is, and so like the point of this article is uh, is what he's saying is this is going to make everything better. Mm-hmm. And he's talked about the iteration over the last like three or 4,000 years of humanity. Yep. Being like from literally living in caves, you know, trying to light, you know, rocks to make flames. Mm-hmm. To, you know, I, I kind of put everything before the Industrial Revolution by the late mm-hmm. 1800s as like back there, which is like thousands of years. And I put I put the creation of energy, 
right? So late 1800s, we discover energy. And with that comes the industrial revolution. Factories, first on steam, then on, on fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. And then in a, so like call that like, you know, 1850, right? 1870, like 18, from 1850, 1950, we're not, we're not 200 years from that point. Mm-hmm. And humanity is 10,000 times better. Right. Than it was before that. So 4,000 years, like humanity, right? <laughs> like last 170 years, 10,000 X. AI could advance. Like, so the point is you have to embrace it. We can't be afraid, especially as Christians who like to keep our head in the sand and like, oh my gosh, this new thing, like ah, it's going to like destroy the planet. Mm-hmm. Jesus is Lord. Yep. Right. <laughs> right. That's Jesus why. is Lord and people are people, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, but, but this leads to like my, my viewpoints on energy and fossil fuel. Mm-hmm. Like I want to protect the planet. I want clean air and clean water. I, I, I don't want pollution, but I know that our wealth, and I'm just talking about America now, is linked to energy. Mm-hmm. Energy, like the when it's fuel the goes up, it is yeah. It's every, when, when energy prices go up, it puts everything up because you've got to drive it across the country for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Do I want electric everything? Sure, let's go. Do I want wind, solar? Bring it on. Mm-hmm. But just do it in such a way that we're not going to economic. Like Europe tried this and they had to reverse course. Right. All, all I'm saying is. Like, let's utilize the technology we have. Let's pursue the new technologies that we keep inventing to make humanity better. But, you know, do it in a, in a, in a smart way. Mm-hmm. So, look, AI, there's pitfalls, whatever. But, man, mm-hmm. it, it, we're in the AOL stage. Mm-hmm. Of it, yeah. That's how I describe it. Yeah. That's he, 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 he makes some really practical observations and predictions that I think make it, because um, I think we talk about it from a business perspective and a productivity mm-hmm. perspective, which obviously we're fully about and totally yeah. agree with. But he, he actually makes some examples that I think are really cool, right? So he says, like, every child will have an AI tutor that is infinitely patient, infinitely compassionate, infinitely knowledgeable, and infinitely helpful. Matt, you know, right. So you got something like that. Every person could have an AI assistant, coach, mentor, trainer, advisor. Every scientist can have a collaborator and partner. Um, He goes on to uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting. He said, I even think AI is going to improve warfare when it has to happen by reducing wartime death rates dramatically. Every war is characterized by terrible decisions made under intense pressure with sharply limited information by limited human leaders. Now military commanders and political leaders will have AI advisors that will help them make much better strategic and tactical decisions, minimizing risk, error, and unnecessary bloodshed. I mean, he he really does go on and on and on about how it will be able to cure diseases, how it will be able to, you know, do all kinds of stuff. And and I think that there are so many practical implications that we're not even thinking about yet. Um, Right. hundred percent. Like, and you know, we've seen all the movies that make these, yeah. You know, and, and, and which I get, and it's fun. It's funny to laugh about and talk about. And, and I want to go and watch stuff. Terminator again. Like I haven't watched it for like 20 years, mm-hmm. but I do want to go and see Arnold like, drop out of the sky naked in that little yeah. town. <laughs> like yeah. I need to go and refresh all that. But you look, you know, the sci-fi, how, how cool are those guys that 
wrote all this sci-fi stuff like 20, 30 years ago. And here we are like on the cusp mm-hmm. of it. Um, yeah. Look, I just think um, like, you know, every leader of people, right. He writes here, CEOs, government officials, nonprofit presidents, athletic coach will have this, this, this intelligence that is so smart. It can in, only enhance what you do and make you better. Mm-hmm. And that's, See, the, the, the big thing in business, the, the word that is the most powerful word, if you can harness it, is productivity, which means getting more out of less. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. So, I, you know, I spend a lot of my time, how can I get more out of less? You know, I'm in business. I'm here to make a profit. I have financial partners. I'm here to, to make a profit. So I'm trying to get more revenue and more profit. And I'm trying to get more out of less. That's what mm-hmm. I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. And beyond serve my customer and build back products, all the, all the obvious. So AI is just going to give us more for less. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And so as a business person, that's how you have to think. This is going to make me better at what I do. And it's going to give me the ability to do many, many more times the things that I can do today um tomorrow through these these productivity advances and it, it's just an awesome time to be alive mm-hmm. it really it? is yeah it is it's it's, it's wild it's the 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 how fast things are moving is just incredible and i have people yeah. texting me all the time about different ways they're using it what they're doing the products they're building how it's helping yeah. and it's like it, it really is it's also just fun right it's fun yeah. have um, you seen the art like the like the yeah. images mm-hmm. that that it's is wild. It journey Mm-hmm. Like it, it's creating the most, and he says it here, like artists, there'll be a whole generation of artists who know how to use AI that will create art. Like, dude, I, I wrote a, a rap song on ChatGPT, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, I did it to, at my staff meeting. And I said, write me a rap song about um, two boxing kangaroos. And I got this really cool rap song, right? And I, I sang it and my, my, my staff went bananas. So yeah. We have a, our all all hands coming up, and I had a request like, "Hey, can you do another rap song?" I'm like, "Hundred percent, yes!" <laughs> like literally, yeah, that's incredible. Literally, like, so look, <clears throat> I think that I think the the moral of this thing here is is as and Andreessen is saying, like, don't be afraid, embrace. Mm-hmm. Let's see where this takes us. The morality of human beings usually wins out in the end. Like we. We're pretty good at steering ourselves, but then like as believers, you know, we have a, a calling and a, an allegiance to something other than ourselves, obviously, you know, God through Jesus Christ. And so we, w- within that framework, we'll embrace all the things, you know, I, I tell the same thing. I, I probably said, it. you know, the guy in 1995 said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to use email. Like it's mm-hmm. just like, I'm, there's no way I'm going to use email. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like telling him, I just got on Netscape, which is Mark Andreessen's browser, right? He was the yeah. first yeah. real browser. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> and like, you know, 30 years later, here we are. Like, so don't be that person that says, no, I'm, no, I'm not using AI. Because if you don't, you may not have a job. Right. It's very true. It's so true. So that, that's that. I love it. <laughs> Such good stuff. We'll link to that article in the... Um... 
in the show notes. It really is a, it really is a good one. Um, again, follow us on social media, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter, uh, at Dean Sweetman on Twitter. Good stuff. And, um, we just love hearing from all of you. So keep reaching, reaching out and we will see you next week. Talk to you soon. Later.